Welcome back, baseball family, to another episode of the Baseball Together podcast. We are going to jump into a heap of current events this week, including Albert Pujols, a whole bunch of CBA implications, and pitching stuff right now. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now baseball together welcome back baseball family to another episode of the baseball together podcast i am brig and as per usual, i got the brad man right here to my left how are you doing brad good brig how are you doing tonight i am hunky dory (laughs) (laughs) thanks for asking (laughs) baseball family we are really excited to jump into this episode we have a lot to cover first thing we got to talk about is Albert Pujols being released from the Anaheim Angels or yes. whatever we're calling them these days? Yeah, well, I mean, and, for uh, those of you who are new to the show, we refuse to call them the LA Angels because they're not in LA. Yes, the LA, LA. metro area, but they're in Anaheim, so we we stick to that. We stick to the the true geographic location with the Angels on that. That's right. We, we could call them the California Angels. We just don't know. We, maybe just Anaheim's better because it's more accurate. Yeah. Yep, it's true. And more recent. But anyway, sorry. Right. Go ahead with Albert Pujols. Well, so he got released. He was not just released. He was DFA'd, which I think. Mm-hmm. So you remember when you're watching the Major League uh-huh. and those little red tags, they're at, you know, they're at tryouts, they're at camp, and the red tags are in the locker? Yeah, yeah. That's what I feel like DFA means in No, it's it's a season. little different. It's a little different. So those red tags But that's how are, it feels to me. Yeah, kind of. Because so right. here's the thing is those, those, me, those red tags are that you've been sent down to the minor league camp that you're no longer um allowed to be at the big league camp that they're like you're you're not even in consideration for the 40 man roster anymore. You're going down to the minor leagues. Um, sure. DFA stands for designated for assignment. And what it is, yes. is you can go down to the minor leagues and play out the rest of the year or however long we want you down there, or you can decline it since you're a veteran and then you clear waivers. Once you clear waivers, then you go to whoever will sign you. Right. And I, I understand all of that. What I'm saying is it, to me, it feels the same because you can go down to the minor leagues and play it out if you really wanted to. But a guy like Albert Pujols is not going to go down to Salt Lake. There's, yeah, he's most, not going to do most that. Guys, most guys won't do it because they're like, no, I'll go take an opportunity with a big league club somewhere else. Right. And he did. Yeah. And he's yes, now he with L.A. For real. <laughs> the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah, that's He's with strange. the Dodgers. And I can't imagine what possibly could have happened. And I, I well, okay, I wonder if maybe there's some, I want to stay close Maybe family implications, maybe lifestyle implications. I don't know. Because the whole world was calling for him to go back to St. Louis. Well, and, you know, I saw something that said that he told the Cardinals that he would come in for a minimal role and, like, to be a mentor in the clubhouse. I don't know how much truth there was to it, but that's what I saw. And I was kind of like, okay, he's, like, pretty much begging to go back to St. Louis. And then I saw that he went to the Dodgers, and I was like, but they just ain't having it. They don't want him, I guess. So, which is bizarre. I mean, am it, I? I can't be the only one shocked by this. 
I actually was fully expecting him to go back to St. Louis. I was expecting him to go to the Cardinals all along this whole time. Me too. Yep. But if you look Are at you this, Are you bothered by this move, though? To the Dodgers? Yeah, instead of St. Louis. But almost anywhere other than Well, St. so Louis. here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Is that, so, with a National League team, you've got to have pretty much as many guys on your bench as possible because you've got to pinch hit for those pitchers late in the game, right? Yeah. So you don't really have a roster spot to just kind of kill with a with a guy like that who was like, I'll come in and be a mentor and hit when you want me to. It's like, well, you know, we still kind of want – I mean, the Cardinals right now are 23-18 and 18 on Monday night. They're in first place in the Central, yeah. and I have a feeling that yeah. they feel – I mean, they feel like they can win the division and be contenders for the World Series because they've got Paul Goldschmidt at first base and then Nolan Arenado on the other side of the field. The third. Uh, yeah, they still got Yachty Molina catching, and I – I mean, yeah. the the Cardinals are a good team right now. I don't think that they they're, like, looking for a mentor. They're looking for somebody who can help them win. Now, as far as the Dodgers mm. go, they're loaded. Right? Right. Right now they're 22-18. and 18. They're third in the NL West. But this is the kicker that I actually saw this today. The Pujols is batting around 250 against left-handed pitchers, and the Dodgers as a team are, like, around, like, 250. So I said Pujols is 250. The Dodgers are around 215 against left-handed pitchers. So I could see Whoa. him being a late-game specialist against left-handed uh, relievers. Okay. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's this is where baseball culture meets baseball business. Yes. And that that's hard. That's hard for the fan base to swallow. Mm-hmm. Because well, we want to lionize these people, and we want the legend, we want the folklore, we want the story, mm-hmm. and him going back to St. Louis gives us that. But we don't, we're not getting that right now, and that's hard to take. And you know what? He might at the end of the season go sign like a one day contract with the Cardinals and retire as a Cardinal or whatever. Um, yeah, we we might finally get it. But it's it's weird. It's really really weird to see somebody like this because we weren't none of us were expecting him to be cut, to be released by the Angels, right? Well, no, and if you'll remember a handful of weeks ago, we we talked about this when we were talking about how old he might be. We talked yeah. about how the Angels brought him on and said, we know about all the rumors and it's okay. We don't expect him to perform in these late two, maybe three seasons of this contract. But now here they are cutting him off. Doesn't and, it and feel, I feel like, like that's hypocrisy. in the face? And, you know, and I wonder, so the Angels right now are 17 and 22. They're in fourth in the yeah. AL West. I wonder yeah. if they felt like he was holding them back. Because they've got Jared Walsh at first base. They've got Otani who can DH. So they don't. there's not really a spot for him. So I wonder if they're like, you know what, if we cut some, cut some weight here, then we can actually bring in somebody who can help us contend. Maybe help us win some games. Because mm. Pujols wasn't really doing anything for him. Well, I mean, not a lot other than being consistently consistently pool holes you know well i mean he's batting like a buck 80 i think yeah but he but he puts butts in seats does he still i mean so here's here's the thing is that Mm. the angels are coming to town next month they're coming to phoenix next month to play um yeah to play the uh the diamondbacks and i um i wouldn't have gone been going to see 
to see Pujols. I would be going to see Otani and Mike Trout and yeah. Jared Walsh at this point because that dude's on a tear, you know. That Pujols is. is not the guy I'd be going to watch. I'd be going to watch those other guys. Right. Yeah. So I don't think he's necessarily okay. the draw anymore that he once was. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Because it's stacked up against those other names. He's he's not on the list. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah, it and it's it's crazy to think a guy that of his stature, a Hall of Famer, and you know, and and it wouldn't even be for me like a one last hurrah to go see him. You know, like, well, this is my last chance to see Pujols because who knows if you're actually going to see like him because you you've got care. Otani who can DH if he's not pitching it. You know, so yeah, yeah. So it, wow. it's, it's kind of like you can't even count on him being in the, in the lineup to see him hit because you don't know if he's going to. Yeah. So he's kind of served his purpose. If you and could, I, I guess it kind of make like. Talking through it, it kind of makes sense why they released him. But on the other hand, it is yeah. it is weird because it's not something I would have expected. I would have expected them to at right. least trade him to Cincinnati or somewhere where they could get some pieces you know, to fill in those gaps. Because Griffey, if we'll remember, um, I don't know how many people actually do, but when he left Cincinnati, it wasn't he wasn't DFA'd. It wasn't as a free agent. He got traded to Chicago. He was a White Sox for like three months. Yeah, well, it was closer to three days. <laughs> well, it was the end of the season. It was at the trade deadline for the end of the season. Yeah, for sure. And then he was hurt and all that. But well, I know what you mean. I'm just saying yeah. it's. it felt light. It was light because, yeah, it was just to finish out his contract, and then he went to Seattle as a free agent. Yeah, that's but right. But they didn't DFA him, though. They traded him. Right, and that's that's what that's what's so unexpected about the pool holes thing is why mm-hmm. – why give him the shaft? Because yeah. that's how it feels. That and, and now we loop all the way back to the red ticket in the locker in Major League, right? That's how this feels. Feels like he got the left glove right to the side of the face. And I'm like, what? What's happening here? Yeah, yeah. Why are they treating him this now. way? Yeah, yeah. And it, it I don't know. <laughs> it is a slap in the face, and it's crazy. And you know what? If I was an aging superstar, I would be like, wow, there is literally zero loyalty in this game, uh, because. Part of the reason he went to the Angels is because they told him they'd help him build his legacy. And now they don't exactly. even care about that. They don't even care and about that. And he signed that. a 10-year deal. Yeah. So so then the implication then for Mike Trout, Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, all these guys with these monster deals that are really, really long. It's mm-hmm. like, what what's going to happen to them? You know, I feel like Boston really took care of Dustin Pedroia. I mean, they're really are making yeah. sure that he gets whatever he needs. And again, that's that's from what we can see on the outside. But that's how it should be done according to what we can see now. We don't know what kind of sideline deals are happening or what kind of negotiations are taking place, but but it's I just I can't fathom a world Let me back up. <laughs> I want I want a major league baseball with heroes hometown heroes franchise guys that are there forever they play like Derek Jeter played there mm-hmm. 20 years the, he's the name of the franchise he's the face of the organization he's the guy that performs in the clutch situations that's what I want I want to go back to that and I thought with these big long deals 10 12 13 years we would start to get that but then to see a guy like Pujols get shafted like this I am irate my friend I am not I am not a happy camper <laughs> I yeah. am upset. 
Yeah, and, and then the St. Crazy. Louis Cardinals don't pick him up, and I'm even more upset. Yeah. Yep, and that's what we all wanted. That's what we all wanted. Woo! Man, we should move on before I get we all should. hot and bothered. Let's talk about Man. the home run derby okay. break. Okay. So, Why don't you talk about it for a minute? I'll breathe. <laughs> there you go. Good idea. <laughs> so this actually came out a couple weeks ago. I don't know how we missed it when it first came out, but I was actually very upset with myself. I've uh, been beating myself up now for about two weeks, and I wanted I made sure I put it on here. It was the first thing, and then we did some rearranging. Anyway, the Pioneer League uh, – Came yes. out and said that instead of playing extra innings, they're going to go on and they're going to have a home run derby. Each each team will send out a hitter, gets five pitches, and whoever wins out of those five pitches, that team wins. That team wins the game. It's going to be official, and it's going to be new and exciting, and I think it's really cool. What do you think, Brig? Well, so when I saw the announcement come out, I did what I do, and I just called the Pioneer League. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I actually talked to Jim McCurdy. He's the the uh, commissioner of the Pioneer League in Spokane. And we had a conversation about it. And it, I think it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. We're working to try and get them on the show. Him, mm-hmm. a couple of his representatives, whatever it takes. We're, we're going to try and get them on the show to talk about the decision-making process, how they came to the idea, etc. Uh, mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that. But ultimately, I think it's killer. I want to see how it plays out. I want to see how the audience responds to it. I want to see, you know, what the overall, and I think that's what Major League Baseball is saying. Is I want to see what the overall results of this are. When I was talking to uh, their office, when I was talking to the commissioner, he said, we're in startup mode right now. Mm-hmm. And he has cherry-picked some key people who are in charge of innovating and and kind of revamping what they're doing to make it more appealing to the audience, more appealing as a product because they're they're kind of cut off from major yeah. league baseball. I mean, they're affiliated and it's not a complete severing of that tie, but at the same time they are off on their own. And so the Pioneer League gets to kind of do whatever they want and I think they're taking full advantage of that opportunity. And I applaud them for that. I think it's so cool. This is a great example of of some of the the you know license they're able to take, some of the liberties that they've never been afforded, and they can be creative. They can think outside the box, and they can do radical things. And we can kind of get a taste for it and see how we feel. Yeah, it, it's. I think it's really cool. That's one thing that's fun about independent league is they can experiment with stuff like this. They can change up the game just a yeah. little bit. Um, because yeah. the first thing I thought of was I was like, this is baseball's version of of PKs, penalty kicks in soccer or uh shootout right, in hockey. Or hockey. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. And I, I think it's awesome. I think I think the ten like going straight in after the ninth inning is a little early. I would rather see it after like the twelfth, get a couple innings of ex of extras sure. in, you know, because like like in soccer they'll go like a full extra period. Right? I think I think it is it a full 45 minutes or maybe it's 15 or 30. I don't, I don't know. know. It's, it's, Somebody it's, who's it's like an actual period, soccer though. fan, yeah. maybe let me know, but, but they play some, they play some extra time and same thing in hockey is they'll play yeah. some extra time. So play a couple extra innings. And if, you know, after the 12th inning, if, if the game's still going, then trot them out there and do a home run derby. Um, I would stick around for three extra. I mean, I'd stick around for 10 extra innings. Let's be honest, but me too. I would keep my kids, at least my son who's six, going to be seven soon. I would keep him at a game, three extra innings for a chance to see, uh, like a shootout format with uh, with a home run derby. Totally. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be trying to get out of there at the tenth if it didn't look like this game was going to get over anytime soon. Totally. No. I, yeah, and that's how I feel too. So good for them. 
Jim, mm-hmm. we love it. We're going to have you on the show and talk about it. But um, we want to know, <laughs> I mean, baseball family, what do you think? Are you appalled by this? This is radical. <laughs> is this exciting really is. to you? Like, what do you think? We, I, and again, this has come up in the past. Remember, weeks and weeks ago, we did uh, proposed rules and different things like that. But ultimately, this it's now coming into fruition, and somebody's decided to take a gamble on this, and we're excited about that. So, um, more to follow. We will watch this closely for you. Okay, definitely. Last thing, and then let's take a break, Brad. We're gonna okay. do Jared Kellenick because Brad to. just has to talk about the Mariners. <laughs> yes, I do. I do have to talk about the Mariners, and <laughs> we'll get into them actually a little bit later. But I want, I mean, I want to have some positivity with the Mariners because I was actually like pretty down for a few days i'll be honest with you um and like well so since 1995 you've been down uh so. 2002 let's let's put it there but anyway <laughs> okay. uh my optimism <laughs> my, my optimism was was not quite as high as it had been for this year um mm, yes. things just were not looking good but then finally 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 the heavens opened and they called up jared kellenick called up logan gilbert as well uh, he's a pitcher. He he's going to be very very good. But Jared Kellenick is the number four prospect in the MLB pipeline, and so it was a big deal. It was a big deal for him to make his debut to come in. I mean, he's batting leadoff and playing left field for the Mariners. This is a guy who they've been. I mean, I've been critical of the Mariners for being maybe a little bit too overly cautious. I thought he should have been on the roster opening day, but he came in, and his uh, debut was a little underwhelming. He came in and swung at the first pitch and fouled out. And that's fine. That's fine. That's going to happen. But the next day, yeah. he hit a home run and a couple of doubles and a single. Went like four for five, three for four, something like that. Uh, and we we're like, okay, yeah, this is the guy. This is the guy we've been waiting for. And it was a big mm-hmm. deal. So he continues to do well for the Mariners. And I'm very excited about it. Very excited about Jared Kellenick. Uh I'm very sorry to Mets fans, but not really, actually. Um, because... <laughs> He was part of the Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz trade. <laughs> so Right. And they're all injured right now anyway. So Yes. Yeah. And suspended. But uh but thank you to the Mets <laughs> for Jared Kellenick <laughs> from the <laughs> proxy Pacific Northwest. Really do appreciate it. And on that note, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we're gonna talk about uh some CBA implications. If you're anything like me, you wish you could read more. But life has you up and moving at breakneck speeds. Driving back and forth to work, dropping off and picking up kids from school, cleaning the house, and much, much more. When do I have time to sit and read an actual book? That's why I use Audible. I can turn my car into a rolling university with Tom Verducci. I can investigate the 1919 Black Sox scandal while vacuuming my stairs. So if you want to learn from Joe Torre, Jackie Robinson, and Jeff Passan, you can with audible click the link in the description to get your first month free and support the baseball together podcast you know what brig what's that brad i'm just not much of a coffee drinker boy i knew that you're still stuck in your yummy phase yeah that's true <laughs> so what's what exactly do you do to get it going in the morning i know i know it is not a good night's sleep you're right it's not instead i drink rays I tried a ton of different energy drinks over the last few years to help me get up in the morning, and it is by far the best tasting. It's mildly flavored, yet still flavorful. There's no crash, so I actually feel like I can finish the workday when it wears off around 2.30. Visit repsports.com. That's R-E-P-P sports.com. 
and use code BTPOD at checkout to support the Baseball Together podcast and to get 15% off your sampler pack, variety pack, or custom order of Ray's Energy. Welcome back, baseball family. So we have something kind of interesting that went down, or I guess is currently going down at this time. Um, the Major League Baseball Players Association, or the MLBPA, is seeking a $500 million grievance uh, against MLB, against the league. Um, now, Brig, you remember how the negotiations went last year with uh, the 60-game season? Do you remember that whole mess? Yeah, I do. Big okay. old mess. Yeah, and did it seem like it went well at all? Was there any kind of good back and forth, anything like that between the no. two sides? Toxic, maybe even militant. <laughs> exactly, that's right. Now, what what the Players Association is saying is they're claiming MLB did not act in good faith to play as many games as possible during the 2020 season. I think they have something there because especially There's at one point. a pretty good argument for that. <laughs> yeah, because didn't Rob Manfred yeah. come out at one point and say 60 was always the number? He did. Uh, and I, I think I recall players were willing to play double headers like nobody's business to get in as many games as possible, which is, you know, and you understand they want to they maximize their pay, right, because they get paid per game. They do. And so if they go out there and they play, you know, 15 double headers and they end up playing, in this case, 90 games, they get paid for 30 more games. Well, well yeah. um, MLB was not having it. It felt the entire time that they were just stalling, uh, not willing to not willing to move kind of him and hawing on it. And like I said, when they did reach 60 games, Rob Manfred said 60 was always the number. But he was not uh, – he was not – transparent about that during the negotiations it was it was ugly so this so this is what's going on right now and this is the big question i have for you brig uh what kind of effect do you think this will have on collective bargaining agreement negotiations that were that are coming up at the end of this year well brad i'm going to be honest with you i think everything is an implication for the cba yes. honestly I don't think that any tiny, seemingly insignificant, or, on the other hand, blustering, you know, false claims or whatever, I don't think any of it's insignificant. At this point, Mm -hmm. I believe every single thing is a piece on the chessboard. It's being moved around, manipulated, in order to have some, some implication for the CBA. That's what I yeah. think. Yeah. So I, I don't think there's any way around it. I, I honestly. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you that every, like you said, anything that seems insignificant. And the problem is this seems significant. <laughs> and I worry. This is no small thing. I, it's not I blustering either. The MLB is going to like hold this over the players when it comes time to negotiate and be like, well, like they're gonna like try to draw it out, you know, like like happens Always. in court, and they're gonna be yeah. like, oh, you know, we'll let us put together blah 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 blah, and then it's gonna come time end of the season. They're gonna be like, we will not negotiate until this case is dropped. Yep, we now, will not sit down and talk until this is put away. Like that, that's what, like like seriously, what worries me about this? 
No, I totally agree. And that's that's why and this is not the only thing. Right? right. This is just one more thing, right? What they're doing is they're moving a chess piece up the board. This is the middle game. Mm-hmm. We're in the middle game right now. They've had their openings. We're in the middle game. We're setting up the closing. That's exactly what's happening. And it's super interesting because, okay, hold on. Let's back up. For those of you that don't understand what's happening, we should, should we take a minute and explain it, Brad? Yeah, go right ahead. Okay. The, okay. How do I break this down? Major League <laughs> Baseball as an organization is is made up of a, a a council of leadership, Rob Manfred being the commissioner, and they serve the ownership group groups, right? Mm-hmm. All 30 owners and or ownership groups that right. make up the Major League Baseball teams, okay? And they represent the organizations. That's what that's who Rob Manfred is serving. Now, on the other side, you've got the players, right? So you have the business owners and you have the commodities that make up the business that is being, you know, proliferated, basically, for entertainment value. Mm-hmm. The players are always at odds, oftentimes, whether they're on an individual basis, and that would be things like arbitration, or on a, a large scale basis with the collective bargaining agreement that's we're talking about right now, they're always at odds at some level. And it has historically been just ugly, super, super ugly because the owners always want to make more money and lose less money. That's the point. It's a, it's a ones and zeros game. The players, yeah. they have the love of the game. They want to protect their families. They want to build a legacy. They have all this stuff that's going on. And they want to make money. So it's more than just business for the players, but it's almost all business for the owners. The collective bargaining agreement is legal documentation. It's legally binding. And, and I mean, I don't know how else to say it. it's legally binding <laughs> laws, basically, that go in place to, to determine how the owners and Major League Baseball as an organization are able to interact with the players through the association with mm-hmm. ter- things like contract limits and salary caps and um, whatever, anything, mm-hmm. anything and everything Player can be renegotiated. Too. Punishments, yes. any Literally anything and everything can be renegotiated and new precedents and new boundaries, different left and right limits, whatever. It can all be reset and established in the collective bargaining agreement. That's why we make such a big deal out of it because we have these two it's it's the craziest thing because we have two seemingly unified groups. You would think would be working together <laughs> you would think to produce would be, yeah. <laughs> right to make sure that we have that we as the fans are satisfied that we have baseball or that we Well not we, just the fans, whatever, I but mean, in, we're the customers. We're the customers. Keeps the customers, customers happy. <laughs> that's exactly right. But that's not what happens. So what no. happens is these two these two stakeholders they go to war over the collective bargaining agreement. And back in the what is it seventies when like Goose Gossage and those guys finally like won, it was just ugly. It was so so bad. Okay, and that's why in nineteen ninety four we had a strike. So. The reason we make such a big deal out of it is because at the end of this season, 2021, we are supposed to have 
uh, renegotiation of the collective bargaining agreement with the CBA. And it's an enormous deal. I mean, I have sugarcoated the whole thing and <laughs> talked around all of it. But ultimately, that's why we're so hot and bothered about the CBA. Oh, yeah, because we could get to the point where there would not, there won't be baseball. Um, right. Like, we could miss out on baseball some of next year or all of next year or even into the year following. Because these two sides, as we said, they do not like each other. They absolutely hate each other. To the point that they hate each other. if one side comes up with an idea and pitches it, the other side's going to reject it just because it wasn't their idea. And it's right. getting yes, it's getting really bad. And the fact that the Players Association um, filed this legitimate grievance, I mean, I'm going to say it's legitimate 100%. It's legit. But the fact that they filed it, the, the owners are going to be like, mm, no, we're not going to touch that. We're not, we're not going to, we're not going to do that because we have, uh, we do have some leverage here. As far as the or, CBA goes. Or they'll say, okay, if you'll give us some grace during the CBA negotiations, then we will mm-hmm. go ahead and, you know, and, they, and they'll back channel the entire grievance. Yep. And they'll settle outside of court or whatever the equivalent of that would be with this grievance to make sure that they have more chips on the table when they go to settle the CBA. I'm telling you guys, it's a huge deal. It really Ooh. is, and it's it's a, it's a big deal, and it's a big problem all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it is. And ultimately, really we're the ones that lose almost no matter what, us fans. I yep. mean, honestly. Yep. And some people take the owner's side. Some people want to take the player's side, and a bunch of us are in the middle, and it's just the way it goes. It's, it's just hard. And that's now, the way it goes do we with think every sport. It is. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. But yep. here we are at the Crucible. And we've been saying for months that all these stuff, all, all these stuff, all this stuff is getting <laughs> put in place. All these different, you know, grievances and uh, these leverage points are being manipulated because that's that's what's happening, right? So we're trying mm-hmm. to, hopefully, making you aware of it a little bit. But anyway, that's that's why this five hundred million dollar grievance is such a big deal. This close, I mean, we're months away from them beginning like opening negotiations for the new CBA. Well, I think and there's that a bunch of stuff actually, that's broken. I think they've talked about it recently. Like, I don't know that it was necessarily active no- negotiations, but I, from what I understand, that within the last couple months there has been some communication regarding it. I don't know to what, like I said, what to what level as far as like this is coming up. We need to be aware, or like, hey, you know, we're gonna put mm-hmm. this on the table. What do you have? You know, I don't know to what extent, but there have been words exchanged between the two sides regarding it. And uh, I, I, I don't know if there was any progress or if it was like I said, just a, just a heads up, get your arguments. Yep. You know. So. Well, and here's the problem: the MLBPA uh, leader, what's his name, Commissioner Tony Clark. Uh, Tony Clark. Tony Clark is combative, yes. right? And he's yeah. he wants to stick up for the players. And then we have Rob Manfred on the other end. So you have these two figureheads, one that is intentionally combative, I think is probably the most appropriate uh, it, word. From what like I understand, he, yes. Yeah, for, and again, that's our limited understanding. But what we're being given is to say that he's combative. We have Rob Manfred, Rob Manfred on the other end. We don't know anything about him. We do because know Because every time he turns he... around, he seems incompetent. So, like, what is he doing there? <laughs> that's what I was going to say. We do know that he's incompetent. 
that much we that's do all know we know <laughs> that's it even the investigations he ran when he was under bud selig didn't uh-huh. work yeah <laughs> it didn't work so i don't yeah. understand what's happening here who's actually playing puppet master why and so anyway sparks are gonna fly when these two <laughs> these two people have to talk yeah. about stuff anyway, just keep your eye on it on. just be aware of it all right we let's will talk help about you figure that out Let's talk about uh, some degree of normalcy that we have had in baseball this year. I mean, things have been a little <laughs> weird with no fans and stands. Like, I guess limited fans and stands with, with COVID and everything. But we had some normalcy this yeah. week. Um, some teams have announced that they're going to open up to, fico- to full capacity. The, the D-backs, in fact, are going to be opening up to full capacity uh, end of this month. Um, but the other thing yep. that we have that's normal is John Carlos Stanton is back on the IL. Uh, <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a quad strain. <laughs> So, Brig, I am sure that you're happy to see that things are back to normal in New York. Um, things are, are running as as they should be. He, he's been on a tear, man. <laughs> no pun intended. He's been doing at least somewhat well. Thank you. Yes. Um, so, in, what is it, 33 games, he's sitting at a 282. Yeah, it's, he's been pretty average. good. He's been pretty darn good. He's I'll doing well. That. What is he at? Yeah. Nine homers or something like that? I think it's nine I think homers. So. I feel like every time I turn around, he's hit another one. Yeah, and that's what the league leading thirteen right now, something like that, as of tonight. Yeah, Otani so. has thirteen leading the league. Right, and Judge Aaron Judge is at twelve. Yeah. So, so anyway, I don't know. You're right. <laughs> It's normal for him to go on the IL. It's just kind of funny. I saw that today, and I was like, oh, there we go. There it is. I've been, been right. waiting We've for it. we settled back in. And here he is. <laughs> but, but Thanks, all right, We man. had something else come out today, though, besides Stanton going on the IL. The Miami Marlins <laughs> released their City Edition jersey, and they're outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. It's a tribute to a Cuban triple a team called the sugar kings um yeah they're like so the thing that's funny about the marlins and you know they're not quite so many they don't have quite so many colors anymore as they used to so i i wouldn't necessarily call this like you know marlins red but i think this used to be part of their color scheme and maybe this was why but it, it's a red jersey with like wide pinstripes like the pinstripes are still narrow but they're wide set and it says Miami on it, yeah. and the hat has a crown on it with MM. It's a nod to, like I said, the the Sugar Kings, and it's outstanding. It looks very much like a soccer kit, which I think is cool because I think uh, soccer kits are actually very, very nice looking. Um, but, Brig, what are some of your thoughts on this? 100% agree with you. I love the bright red. I love mm-hmm. them on top of the white pants. I love that the hat is that baby blue, mm-hmm. and there's the crown with the MM and the the marlin on the side with the local miami colors i i love it and the eyes atop the miami the eyes the dots atop the eyes rather Mm -hmm. are triangles and they look terrific i mean the whole thing especially those big big like you said they're narrow pinstripes but they're really wide set i mean Mm -hmm. they gotta be inch and a half two inches apart and they are really really compelling on that bright red jersey i mean that's old school it's it, it has a vintage feel and it has a uh, that, you know, our generation, you know, we're the ones buying tickets right now. We love that vintage thing. Yeah. So this is a part of the city series that they're coming out with. 
uh, Nike's doing that Nikeification thing that we talked about, and I think it's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I think yeah, it's bold cool. and, and loud and awesome. And I actually didn't notice this until just now, but there are no pinstripes on the sleeves. The sleeves are the solid red, the solid red color. Yeah. And actually, right. you know what? Take upon further review, I took a closer look, and it's actually the same red as like the stripe on the Marlin, on their traditional yeah. logo, as well, and the right. uh, the stitching that they have. So it's that same color red. It's nice and bright. Very cool. Very cool jerseys. Um, if I Dig was it. if I was a jersey connoisseur like I used to be, I would go out and swipe one. I'd go, not swipe one. I'd uh, scoop one up. That's what I would do. I would not swipe anything. Swipe or no swiping. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I'd scoop one up myself. For the, so if you're for if those you're a lover of jerseys, go there. get yourself one because it looks really nice. <laughs> looks uh, very nice. So. Yeah, they're killer. They're 100 percent killer. They're nice. Yeah. That's nice. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get into some more stuff has to do with pitching, and uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. I'm Jason. And I'm David, and we're the hosts of the Now North Sports Podcast. We're the home of sports talk for everyone. Join us bi-weekly as we talk about the happenings in sports. You can find the Now North Sports Podcast on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you find your podcasts. I actually have a hobby that has nothing to do with baseball, and Brad, I think, is a little jealous. In the tiny bit of spare time that I have, I get punched in the face. Or I'm punching someone else. Either way, my friends and I try to hit each other. Now, before you think I'm crazy, there is a lot of protective gear involved. And I get my gear from Venom. Unbeatable quality at truly affordable prices. Not to mention it's the best looking equipment on the market. If that's not enough, Venom just signed an enormous deal with UFC. And that equipment and apparel is now available at Venom.com. So whether you need new gloves, a heavy bag or performance apparel, Venom.com is the place to shop. You can support our show and get 10% off when you use the link in the description. Welcome back, baseball family. We're going to jump into the rest of our current events right now, starting with some no-hitters. And the first one I want to talk about, obviously, Brad, (laughs) has to do with John Means in Baltimore. Throwing a no-no against who? Against the Mariners. Boom. Excuse me. Against the Mariners. That's right. Now, Brad, this is my question. Mm-hmm. What is with the Mariners either being the victims of so many no-nos or narrowly avoiding victimhood of the no-nos repeatedly? What is happening? So this is the thing about Seattle. You could send the, okay. you could send the best hitter in the league to Seattle – I mean, Adrian Beltre is exhibit A for this. He was he was outstanding before he came to Seattle. Outstanding after he left Seattle. But for some reason, during his time in Seattle, he got there's some bug or something like that in that stadium where guys just forget how to hit. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I have no idea. But guys forget how to hit. Sean Figgins, before he came to Seattle when he left the Angels, was on, I don't want to say Hall of Fame trajectory, but he was a very good player. He got to Seattle and just fell off the face of the earth. And it wasn't because, it wasn't just because he uh, was not good, but it's because he forgot how to hit and just about forgot how to play baseball while he was in Seattle. Like, I don't know what it is. And I swear the Mariners have been no hit more times than anybody in the last, like, 10 years. I don't know if that's true, but that's what it feels like. So, 
It feels that way. Well, just in the last 10 days, it feels that way. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, so game one of the four-game series against the, uh, against the Indians on Thursday night, that was, you know, Kalanick's debut. They were no hit through seven, like seven plus. Right. You know, it was, it was the first batter of the eighth inning got a hit. And it's like, geez, it's about time. Man. Yeah. You know, I, I was That's really what worried they were going to get no hit again within a week. It was a legitimate concern of mine. It is 100% astonishing, and I don't think anybody knows how to answer for it, Brad. Do you? Yeah, I don't. I have no idea what it is. Um, the only thing I can think of is that they need to get a better uh, hitting coach up at the big league level. They had Edgar Martinez for a few years, but then he decided, you know what, my kids are at a good age to be home, so I want to be home. Now he's a consultant. But they need to find a really good hitting coach who can teach these guys how to actually hit at the big league level because they all do so well in the minor leagues. The reason Kellenick got called up after six games is because he he was too good for AAA. Like he was right. just shredding AAA pitching. And Kyle Lewis, the same thing in the minor leagues, was shredding AAA, AA pitching. But then these guys get to the big leagues, and yeah, Kyle Lewis won Rookie of the Year last year. Jared Kellenick could still very well win Rookie of the Year this year. But... I mean, I know there's a big jump from AAA to the big leagues, but you feel like some of it would translate. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like Is it there does a big sometimes. jump for coaching, though? That's my question. Like, wh- who's that AAA hitting coach that needs to be moved up, and why? Is That's that the not thing happening? is they should promote that guy because he's doing something to develop yes. those guys in the minor leagues. Like, like the okay. Here's the biggest one for me is Mike Zunino. I've talked about him a few times throughout the podcast, like throughout the history of this podcast. Yeah. I talked about Mike Zunino because the dude hit like 450 in Tacoma. I'm not kidding you. He was hit, yeah. he hit the cover off the ball in the minor leagues, and that's why he spent like a year in the minors. Was all a year plus. And then they called him up because there was nothing else he could do in the minor leagues. And then he gets up and he's a 150 hitter. He had one good month. Right. They call, it was, it was, he had one really good June. They called it Junino, where he hit like six home runs. He's like, yeah, it's about time. And then got to July and he forgot how to hit again. You know, it's like he was way too good for the minor leagues. And they would send him down periodically be like, you know what, work on your swing, work on time the fastball, hitting the curveball. And then he'd come up and have like two good weeks. Then he'd forget again. I don't know what the problem is. Yeah. You're right. Maybe they do need to promote somebody. But, man, it's it's frustrating to watch as a Mariners fan. And it's the way it's been for 20 years now. So, Something's it's wrong, absolutely though, unreal. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Wade Miley for Cincinnati hit. Uh, he no-hit the Indians in Cleveland. In that was Cleveland, just a few days later, thank heavens, because I was really upset about yeah. that. Uh, that means no-hitter. And you so. were... You were glad I think, though. I think I was the first one to post about that on the on the group. Like as soon as that game went final, I was like, "Get to shared. We don't want to talk about anything about means anymore. <laughs> Get him out of here." <laughs> I was really yes. happy about that Wade Miley no hitter. But yeah, I mean, so here's that the makes thing, five on the year though. Yes, that if you're counting Madison Bumgarner, that's five. That's where I was headed next. That's five on the year. Yeah, um, the yeah. most ever thrown. There's twelve in nine in. Sorry, I almost said 19. In 1884, that's the dead ball era. Oh. Uh, we'll talk later yeah, if we should count ball. that or not. Uh, then there were nine thrown in 1990, eight thrown in 1991. Um, I'm curious if we're going to – I mean, are we going to see – I mean, Major League Baseball is not counting Mad Bumps, so there's four on record. Are we going to see five, maybe six more? No-nos this year, do you think, Brig? Um. Pfft. 
We could. I think we, we could really too. could. Yeah, I don't know that we will. You said, will we? I don't know. Could we? Absolutely. Yes. Yep. Especially yep. when Strasburg like gets off the IL, <laughs> you know, guys yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, and and here's the thing with it. Here's this is my big thing with it is that we see you know the whole launch angle revolution. The guys don't yeah. necessarily care about striking out. Got the shift. I feel like that's a big part of it. And I wonder if there, yeah. if we do see ten or eleven nonos this year, if we do see that many, if there's going to be something about outlawing the shift in the CBA this year. Um, they've yeah. they've talked about it. They kind of teased it. Uh, you know, trying to find out different ways that they can outlaw the shift. And uh, I think if we see a whole bunch of no hitters this year, we could see something with the shift going by the wayside, being outlawed. I think to some you're right. Degree. Well, and let's. Yeah, and we're, we'll get into this more later, but I agree with you. So let's get on to another statistic. Cole, Garrett Cole strikes out 61 batters without allowing a single walk. Now that is a Major League Baseball record, and it was about a week after Corbin Barnes set that mm-hmm. at 58. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more pitching <laughs> statistics coming at you yeah and it all goes i feel like it goes back to the big launch angle thing because guys are more likely to strike out because of the angle that they're uh that they're bringing the barrel through the zone um right and that but burns the record that he broke that was another dead ball era record wasn't it it was it was in the 1880s or 1890s or something like that okay yeah so and this is my thing is like should we should we consider dead ball error? Because it's almost like we're reverting the game, right? With with right. these deadened yeah. baseballs. Like, I don't know if these deadened baseballs are comparable to baseballs from 2000, 92, 93, whatever. You know, I don't know. But how deadened are these baseballs? Because home runs are down. I don't know. Because we've seen yeah. games this season where we had the Braves and Brewers scored a total of what was it was like 18 runs yeah um and then we had the dodgers angels score 25 runs there was one home run in that dodgers angels game two in that braves and brewers game so it was 19 in the braves brewers game 19 total runs oh there we go yeah with only two home runs yeah right which i think is awesome it is awesome because that's what we're all about. Like, like don't get me wrong. I like seeing home runs. They're fun. But I would rather see guys string together a bunch of hits because that's more fun to watch. Right. It's more fun to watch. You Put know, the ball in play, runs, steal scored. a base, drag a bunt. Yeah. And, 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 you know, a lot of guys, like you hear broadcasters sometimes talk about this. Like, I know the Mariners' uh, backup broadcaster, um, Aaron Goldschmidt, he's really into analytics, like really, really into, into analytics. And he is, like, so anti-bunt. He's like, the bunt is not exciting. That is not an exciting part of baseball. It's like, yes, it is. Because you've got it two is. guys <laughs> crashing the plate to cover. You've got you've got a wagon wheel of rotation going around the infield, and you've got outfielders coming in to back up. Like, what's not exciting about that? A home yep. run, yeah, it's fun to watch, but everybody just stands and watches it go over the fence. Yep. There's not a lot of movement, not a lot of activity. There's no danger and that's what I think I love about it. There's no crisis, right? You drag a bunt, a perfectly executed bunt up mm-hmm. the third baseline, 
there's a crisis happening. There Everybody is. has to jump on their feet and figure out how the freak they're going to handle this situation because they either saw it coming and they, they played it well or poorly, or they the best is when they don't see it coming. And here we go. And that third baseman is sprinting from the outfield grass line <laughs> all the way, you know, to try and crash down on, to pick up that ball. That's the best. It's the, it's the crisis that I love. You know, there's no more chaotic play in baseball than a sacrifice bunt with a guy who can run with a runner on second base. Yep. So chaotic because you've got the you pitcher squeeze it up that first base. baseline, right? It, yep, and you've Ooh. got the the first baseman crashing, and then you've got the other, then you got the second baseman and the shortstop and the third baseman trying to cover their bags. But yeah, it's yeah, that is the pitcher's like the falling most over the first baseball. base trying to. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> It's I love it, dude. It's, it's, fun. it's so good. I agree. 100% yeah. agree. So, you know, th- and this so. is one of the thoughts I had about these dead in baseballs is that in Korea, oh, was it two years ago? They talked about how they, uh, I'm actually wearing my KBO hat tonight, uh, my NC Dinos hat. Nice. Um, but they talked about how they had deadened the baseballs because they had a major surge in home runs. So they deadened the baseball and they saw kind of a downturn in the total. Yeah. And it, and they said overall that guys didn't have a problem with it, you know, that they're still playing ball and not complaining about hitting less home runs. The pitchers were kind of like, okay, you know, that's good for me. But Right, pitchers you know, don't and, care. And I haven't seen anything negative come out from from hitters because the guys who are going to hit home runs are still going to hit home runs, right? Yep. They're just not yep. those moonshots outside of the stadium, you know. And guys are still hitting 450-foot bombs, no big deal. It's true. But I do feel like we've seen balls that were would have been two, three rows deep are off the wall or caught on the warning track, which I'm fine yep. with. Yep. I love it. Absolutely okay. But I'm going to love it even more a year, two years, three years from now when all that culture starts to shift and they're like, well, this I'm not one of those guys anymore. Well, and, you know, I that's actually a different way. I was going to say that next because Mike Trout has his average long launch angle is lower than it's been in like the last like six years. And his yeah. average is yeah. up. His batting average is up. I hope, That's I right. hope, hope, hope that teams will see that and be like, oh, yeah, drive the ball to the gap. Don't try to hit it over the fence. You can still beat the no shift doubt. with a line drive. Yes. Because that's what needs to happen. Just be smart. Just be yeah. smart. I watched a thing. I watched a thing today or yesterday uh, with Frank Thomas, Pete Rose, and Alex Rodriguez. They were on an ESPN show or MLB TV show or whatever it was. Uh-huh. And they were talking about – Pete Rose was talking about where he put his hands. He's like, I want to pull the ball. I put my hands here. If I want to go down you know, down the middle or, or beat the gap, I put it in here. If I want to go Oppo, I put it in here. He said mm-hmm. – He's like, my swing never changed. The only thing that changed is I put my hands in a little bit of a different angle. That's it. Yep. Yep. 100%. I was like, wah! And the the thing that blows my mind with that, the thing that blows my mind with that is that my high school coach taught us that. That he would put put a bucket on uh, like the right field side of second base. And he would tell us, if you hit the ball to the left, it's an out. If you hit the ball to the right, you can keep hitting. And so we had, and that's you know, awesome. And, and so we worked on that. We worked on our hands, you know, bringing your hands through, um, keep the barrel of the bat back, and and we learned directional hitting. You know, he 
so the varsity good. field was like golly i want to see the varsity fields like 420 to straightaway center because he hated home runs he wanted <laughs> he wanted the team to learn how to play defense and and not hit not rely yeah. on home runs and so uh, so he was all about directional hitting and situational hitting and things like that. So, yeah, that was something that we learned pretty early. And it blows my mind that guys get to the big leagues, and it seems like they don't know that. And, you know, I know it's different hitting a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, 100-mile-an-hour fastball than hitting JV yep. high school pitching, you know, <laughs> or even varsity totally. high school oh, pitching. of course. Yeah. You know, I understand that. But at the same time, at that level, those guys should be good enough. They should be able to do it. And that's, that's something I've been saying yeah. for years. I agree that, with you. That no, Pete Rowe is saying it. that to a group of big leaguers, you know, I understand to the fan if it's a revelation, but to big leaguers it shouldn't be a revelation that they know. No, and that, on, I agree. Yeah, that depending on where you put your. But hands what I'm saying is the barrel and everything. But yeah, we're anyway, seeing, we're seeing, we're seeing a reset almost. Like the the baseball in the '70s was so fun, mm-hmm. so exciting, so dynamic, and that's. That's why I love listening to Pete Rose because he knows how to beat the shift, right? There wasn't yeah. a shift back then, but he knew. He, he, I guarantee you, Pete Rose in his prime, he could beat the shift every day. Pete Rose, he's like, Tony oh, Blaine. I'm gonna switch hit. Yeah, totally. He's like, oh, I'll just go left-handed today. It's no big deal. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, dude, amazing. He's a freak, but you know what I mean. He is, like, yeah. yeah. But the, I bet amazing. you though, I bet you though, there are a lot of guys from the 90s even power hitters who could beat the shift oh i agree with it well yep so i mean yep i 100 percent agree with you but no i do hope that there is a shift in culture and then in the coming years because you know like i said mike trout having his average up is a big is a really really big deal that's a really big deal and yeah uh, it, it is it could it could lead to positive things in the future. And, you know, especially maybe for see. all the people who are like batting average is stupid. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> I, know. I know because, because all they care about, all they care about is, uh, is slugging. Like I, you know, yep. uh, real quick story for you before we, before we wrap this thing up. When I, when we were in college, I was covering our, uh, our, our school's baseball team. And there was a kid who went on like, a 13 game, 14 game hitting streak, something like that. And he was like 10 or 11 games in. And I, I brought it up to somebody that, cause he wasn't, he was not known for being a great hitter, but he found a groove and man, th- from there to the rest of the season, he was, he was an excellent hitter. But, uh, but I brought it up to somebody who was, I think he was like one of the, like their color analysts. I said something about how he's on like an 11 game hitting streak, you know, after having been so terrible and he goes, well, yeah, but what's a slugging percentage? It's a lot of singles. I don't care. He's getting on base. He scored more runs than anybody during that time. Like, <laughs> I don't care that he's not hitting home runs. He's getting on base and he's coming around and scoring because the guys behind him are getting on base too. You know, like yeah. he's there. He's turned solo home runs into two, three run home runs that that wouldn't have been there otherwise. You know, the guy behind him get on base. They extend the rally and then they cap it off with a home run. You know, he okay. his average went from like two twenty to like. 375 over the course of those few weeks because he he wasn't just wow. getting on base once he's getting on base two three times a game and it, it was mm. a big deal and they ended up you know that team ended up catching fire at the right time and actually won the conference tournament and i i think that his groove had a lot to do with it because there was a lot of positivity when he got up there and got on base 
but that's just me for sure i don't know you know yeah so anyway i'll step off my soapbox and brig i'll let you uh, <laughs> plug the shop so we can get this thing wrapped up all right, baseball family, don't forget to jump on the shop at 9plusus.com. It's N-I-N-E-P-L-U-S-U-S.com. I'm wearing my uh, summer series right now. It's our uh, I Speak Fluent Baseball is what this t-shirt says. It's in uh, all those neon kind of 80s throwback colors. And I'm actually wearing a Salt Lake Bees hat right now. Oh, this is you. their Copa hat. I thought it matched nicely and went with the theme of this week. And it's their Abejas, the Salt Lake City Abejas hat and it is fabulous uh back here on my shelf you can see up at the top if i don't know if you can see it but i've got my greenville (laughs) drive copa hat as well featured and uh we love it so brad what you said you have your kbo hat on today i do and i also have my seattle foul line shirt on with uh, 326 down the right field line got that one on outstanding yep all of this is available at nine plus us.com baseball family check it out and if you really want to jump on and get great discount codes and deals we encourage you to join our private facebook group that's nine plus us vips you can navigate in facebook to nine plus us the page the number nine plus us the page and then go to groups and join the vip group it's free there's no pay to play here we want you as a part of our uh, baseball family in the VIP group, and that's where we drop discount codes and, and engage our audience to uh, participate with us in new designs and everything like that all the time. So it's great. We love it. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. And don't forget to drop by BaseballTogether.com. You can watch the podcast. You can listen to the podcast. There's also a link to the shop there. Um, and don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen. If you watch on YouTube, do the same there. And Baseball Family, thanks for joining us. We will catch you next week. Thank you.